to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, welcome to a sunny day. I mean, my mood just goes when there's blue sky and sun. I don't care if it's colder and my nose is running. Uh, It's just, uh, wow, what it does for your psyche. Anyway, it's uh, a Wednesday, February 19, and um, we have this hour to ourselves. Ryan Dito from City Paper, who normally comes in at this today for a half hour or so, is not going to be joining us, so it's, it's just you and me. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Where do you start? Dang it. You know, in in journalism, the big thing is knowing what the lead is. (laughs) These days, um, I don't know what the lead is anymore. There seem to be 10 of them every day. Um, Mary, this, this, this email just came in. Why would the Democratic Party nominate someone who isn't a Democrat? Well, um... I don't know who you're talking about. Bernie Sanders? Uh, Michael Bloomberg? (laughs) Because last time I looked, neither of those guys were Democrats. And yet this uh, latest national poll shows them at one and two. Uh, Yeah. Well, um, Bloomberg has been everything. He's been a you know a Republican, a Democrat, an Independent. I, is he a Democrat again? I guess he is. Maybe now a Democrat. Isn't he a Democrat now? I think he rejoined the party. Uh, he see, he's very fluid <laughs> in that regard, and Bernie is not fluid. Uh, he has uh, he has been a socialist, but I think. His designation in the Congress is independent, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's not um, it's not like he said, you know, I want SOC after my name. So not sure, but yeah. I mean, technically, I don't want to be called a Democrat either, because I find the party, the apparatus of it ridiculous and incompetent, inept, and I, I, you know, I am not a person who joins um, much of anything. I'm, I'm, I'm a very independent person. You know what I, I was thinking um, when I was at LaGuardia Airport, um, what a hellhole, by the way, when I was at LaGuardia Airport uh, this weekend, I so hate being corralled in those serpentine TSA lines, especially when there aren't a lot of people there. Because at one point, I mean, I had to go zip, 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 zip. zip. I almost got dizzy, but there was nobody there. And, and, and the people in front of me and the people behind me and how we all just do what we're told and uh, follow the rules and are herded here and then herded there, told what to do. 
I have just visceral reactions to it, um, which is why I would not live long in a truly authoritarian uh, system. <laughs> I, I can't. I, I have mentioned um, over the years that even as a child I had problems standing up and saying the Pledge of Allegiance with everybody else or not that I didn't at the time you know firmly believe it but I just hate group stuff where everybody's mouthing the same words unless they're singing them I like choruses or orchestras I like that but it, it gets in my way in um, in worship uh, I want to say things in my own way. And when people read in uh, synagogues and churches in unison, it's like I'm... And, and that's not how I read. And it drives me nuts. So I, I just... Um, I, I was thinking, oh my God, as as we potentially get closer and closer to this... Uh, much more controlled and controlling uh, environment. Um, I'm thank God I'm old because I I I don't do well. Um, I am a, a contrarian by nature, and I'm a you know and it very much individual in that I just can't stand anybody telling me what to do. It's why I react so often to the left trying to police my speech and my this and what's acceptable. I don't want them doing it. I don't want the right doing it. I don't care where it's coming from. Leave me the F alone. And that's a true American speaking. Anyway, ooh, what was I talking about? Um, well, Hey, speaking of LaGuardia, can I just, will you allow me this? Um, I had gone to see my niece, uh, my brother's eldest, um, in a production. Now, it wasn't in uh, Manhattan. She is an actress and has been an actress all her life. And she's amazingly good. But there are thousands of amazingly good actors. Did I say actress before? Excuse me. That's like... Uh, there are just thousands of amazingly good actors uh, who never get the break, you know, never get... And I know that from having studied theater in, in New York myself and uh, in a very small exclusive class um, where you had to be invited in by the, you know, to be, um, to be tutored in the art. Uh, and there were so many people there that were mind-bogglingly good. I was not one of them. Um, but as far as I can tell, only one from an initial class of 30-something whittled down to was it just 15 in the second year, uh, made it, made it. Um, and that, you know, is, was Jeff Goldblum, who was in my class. But I'm telling you, 
while he was clearly extraordinarily talented, I don't think he was the best actor. He's just the most multi-talented guy. Anyway, so this is to say that my niece's play was not on Broadway. It wasn't even off-Broadway or off-off-Broadway. You literally had to cross the Hudson River <laughs> to see her play. Now, it turns out, and my geography's never been great, but, you know, the Hudson River, the river that Sully Sullenberger uh, landed that uh, U.S. air jet on, uh, you know, separates Manhattan from New Jersey. And the theater that my niece uh, was in um, is directly across Midtown, and when you go directly across the Hudson River at Midtown, you end up in a place 10 minutes later. I mean, it's, it's like, it's actually it was quicker to get there than it would have been to get to Broadway, I think. Bang, you're in Weehawken, New Jersey. Now, what do you know about Weehawken? God knows I'd never been there. I'd heard of it. First of all, it's a lovely town where tons of people who uh, work in New York City live and the prices there for an apartment have been driven sky high like Manhattan prices because it's that it's just unbelievable what it costs to live in that area unbelievable anyway so it was Weehawken and it turns out that right near the theater is a um, land, piece of land, and it's called the Weehawken Dueling Grounds. It is where Aaron Burr killed Alexander Hamilton. Right there. And I hadn't known, because I just don't know my history that well, that Alexander Hamilton's son had been killed just a few years prior on that same plot of land because he was honoring someone who had besmirched his, he was honoring his father he was defending his honor so Alexander Hamilton and his son both died right there now why would all these Manhattanites and at the time, row across the Hudson River to shoot at each other. Well, because dueling was um, illegal in New York, but it was not yet illegal in Jersey. So, <laughs> before they killed each other or tried to kill each other, they, because they cared about the law, would row across the Hudson um, and climb these cliffs because there, there, there's cliffs there up to the dueling ground. Weehawken. Well, I just want to say this. I, I mean, I was, my, my niece was uh, starring in Hamlet. It was a production of Hamlet. She was Hamlet. She, it was not an all-female uh, role, I mean, cast, 
Uh, it was simply that the company had worked with her in the past, and when they were going to do Hamlet, they just said to her, we want you, and we're not auditioning anybody, we want you. And boy, were they right. I'm, I'm not kidding you. I've seen Hamlet. I saw Richard Burton do Hamlet live in 1960, probably four, on Broadway. And I swear, my niece was every bit as good as he was. <laughs> but I just have to tell you that I just got a, um, a review uh, from somebody who reviews all these, these smaller companies of wondrous actors all in and around uh, New York. And I, I just have to, out of pride, just read a little teeny bit of it. Uh, the reviewer says, large news organizations in New York rarely send their critics across the Hudson to check out what's going on in New Jersey and other satellite states. But there is gold to be mined in smaller, less well-funded places that perform magic on low budgets. That's what I'm here for. And one of those places is Hudson Theater Works, a small, passionate, tenacious theater company located in Weehawken, just a stone's throw or a 10-minute bus ride from Midtown. This is the first time I've seen their work, but I've been hearing about it for some time now. I'm sorry it's taken me so long to get there. Well, then they just go on to rave about it. Um... And I'll just get this one. As Hamlet, Bess Miller, that's my niece. As Hamlet, Bess Miller wrestles with all of the doubt, desire, and determination to avenge his father's death. But we hear it and we see it. When I compare Ms. Miller's performance to the infinite number of Hamlets I've borne witness to, she is the one who opened the doors to the language for me most clearly. She is an actress we root for. Yes, oh, yeah. Okay, just wanted to say, I concur. Rave, rave. So I'm so proud. Anyway. And you know, you have to have, the, these people have such passion, they make next, they don't make what, you know. Every once in a while they get a break and they end up in a, a larger production. She has a friend who just ended up uh, with a small role in, at the Metropolitan Opera and is making thousands and thousands for just this <laughs> one role. But these people, there's so many of them, that they, and they do other jobs. Uh, they work their tails off. I never had that passion about theater, ever. But uh, never think that the people who make it are necessarily any better or even the best that there is out there. 
there is a level of, uh, of luck, timing, that is always required. So it's, it's a heartbreaking profession for those who are passionate about it and will do it um, no matter what, like Bess Miller. And uh, she's, she's just wondrous. So, and it is true. You know, people think Shakespearean language is so weird and difficult. When someone really understands, when the actor truly understands it and does not find it strange, it's, it's absolutely understandable to the audience. Absolutely understandable. So, telling you, Shakespeare. You know, it's amazing. He wrote that play like 500 years ago. And I was in tears at the end. It's still that mind-blowingly moving. Tonight, though, I'm watching the debate. It won't be as good as Hamlet. But there might be some drama. There's no doubt about that. We have a call? We have a call. Hi, caller. Hi, Lynn. Hi. Hi. Oh, okay. You know, I thought somebody else was on the line. No, tis you. Um, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, you were talking about that authoritarian. I, I'm the same way. I, I'm kind of, you know that, what I call independent. And that's why I have so much of a problem with religion and people go around and telling me that God's here, or, you know, God, and you got to believe if you don't believe about something that may be or may not be. They have no real true evidence for it. I really have a problem with it. That's why, I mean, I don't care if people practice religion and that. That's why I <laughs> don't go to church or anything, because, you know, there's no, to me, there's no real evidence of it. In, uh, well, no, there's not. This is reading true. The, what's that? that? No, there is no evidence of the existence. No, in the a, Bible, a, like, God. anybody could write anything in a book. I mean, that's nothing. But the thing that really gets me about the whole religion thing is, I always go back to this. Way back, it's master-slave, and if you look at history, that's how it is. There's a guy at the top, and everybody else is the slaves, and that's how the whole history in our country and how things got involved in this stuff, and that's where we have a whole... And some of the verses in the Bible, like, I'm an angry God and a jealous God. If you're God, why would you be jealous? What do you have jealous... <laughs> what would you be jealous of? Does he so really... Is there... The what... things in the Bible, it just... It just People get will get mad if you talk about it, but it's it's just like you don't know if there is something, and I don't know if there isn't. So why do we sit there and say, oh, there is, I'll pray for you, or I'll do that? I just, I have a real hard time. And if I want to pray, I'll go pray on my own, or I'm not going to get somebody else involved in it. That's my own, you know, feelings about something. All right. That, that's... I understand. Yeah. I understand. But, yeah, you, and just, you all, but you also understand, and I can tell you do, that... A lot of people, perhaps most people, I don't know, take incredible comfort in being surrounded by like-minded people who are all, uh, you know, in, in on the same uh, sense of their faith. Yeah, I mean, it's, I can see where that would be very uplifting and comforting and give you a community 
where you would feel mm -hmm. less alone. Um, but then there's some of us who frankly want to be alone. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Um, yeah, I, I, I argue for uh, respect on, on all sides. I find some atheists extraordinarily disrespectful of people of faith. And, right. and I avoid that because I do not disrespect. There are too many wonderful human beings who do believe and who try to follow. Yeah, if you want Yeah, I mean, just wonderful human I beings. Do. But I have a problem, too, with religion being part of God, or part of uh, politics or government. I, I believe in that separation of church and state, and I believe freedom from religion as freedom to practice religion. But they don't seem to get that. Right. They want to base their whole political and government thing on their religion belief. And yeah. that's where I have the problem. They okay. bring it into politics. And okay. Got it. Thank you. I, I don't disagree with you. I, however, we're getting some beeping coming from your phone, so I'm going to have to say goodbye, but I'm in agreement with you. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh-huh. Bye. 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 Um... This from little Tony. Lynn, I hear that Bernie's press secretary calls questions about Bernie's health a smear campaign. I want to know his health report. The guy who wants to be president and had a heart attack a few months ago. I would agree with you. I think he definitely owes us that. And he's, he's backing away, ain't he? He's not letting it out. I look at Bernie and see Trump's second term. Oh, God. Hey, Tony, I hope I'm wrong. It does not fare well for Sanders if he keeps his health report secret. I hope he is well, but he's still 78 years old. Yes, he is. And so is Michael Bloomberg. Bloomberg is 78 years old as well. And um, he has not had a heart attack. <laughs> I, yeah, the heart attack thing is, is worrisome. And it would mean that we, if Sanders is the nominee, uh, careful attention would have to be paid to his vice presidential pick. Because the odds of them becoming president would be, you know probably a little higher than, uh, than, than most. Um, you worry that Sanders would be like Trump's second term. My worry about Sanders is just this, this going from over here with Trump you know, to what I think looks like, you know, if he has four more years, we will be living in a sort of neo-fascistic, authoritarian, no, nothing that looks like the United States of America, I pledged allegiance to. But to go from there all the way over to another place that this country has never been, is the kind of thing where, you know, you can get disoriented and whiplash. And it bespeaks a, a population, an electorate, that is so volatile 
and so reactive and so emotional that that scares me too. Frankly, maybe it's my age, but I would like to pull back from the horror of the current administration to a place that feels familiar <laughs> with an honorable person in the White House who is not trying to upend everything. And I think a person like that would have a better chance of taking the country back to uh, a place where we might calm down a little bit. I don't know. That's just me. None of us know who is the candidate to beat him. None of us know. Uh, but I just, I don't know. So let me tell you, a lot of people think Bloomberg if he were to win, would be more akin to a Trump second term. Now, granted, um, it's, you know, not the same policies. He's not um, as crude and uh, repulsive. But... Uh, a lot of people, and you know, you can read this stuff all over the place. A lot of people are writing um, about Bloomberg, warning that he he has these Trumpian qualities. Of course, there's a lot of people out there writing the same kind of thing about Sanders, that he is an outsider, he is loathed by the elites in the party, he's... Uh, probably unpalatable to huge segments of the electorate. Um, it's his way or the highway, blah, 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 blah. You know, you can say, see that with Sanders and seeing some, you know, Trumpian uh, qualities. But I came upon this uh, today, um, and it's it was written in... Um, Oh, who this guy is? In the Forward, which is a magazine, a, a newspaper of over a hundred years duration, that started as a Yiddish language uh, paper, Der Forwärts, <laughs> and uh, is still going strong and does some really, really good uh, journalism. And they have this thing. It's not their editorial belief, but it's an opinion they wrote. Um, there is a Trump figure in the Democratic Party. It's not Bernie Sanders. It's billionaire Mike Bloomberg. Uh, Bloomberg shares with the president a history of flexibility in his party identity, um, a willingness to donate to candidates in the other party, and a raft of past opinions and views that he will have to shed to compete in a Democratic primary. But more importantly, this guy says, Bloomberg seems to be repeating Trump's big wager, the big bet Trump made in 2016. And that is that the party he's just joined is a dysfunctional shell 
of consultants and donors, a distressed asset waiting to be snapped up and remade using aggressive business strategy. While try, I mean, let me give you a little more of this because I think it's, it's interesting food for thought. And again, I am not necessarily agreeing with stuff I'm sharing with you now and, I'm, and from now until. <laughs> but I think we got to get as much sort of information and opinion out there as we can because we're all, all going to wrestle with, our, with this vote. While Trump's hostile takeover of the Republican Party started as a media campaign bypassing the party gatekeepers, Bloomberg has pretty much done the same. His campaign spending, where did I see today? He's already spent over $400 million, almost half a billion. And he doesn't even miss it, I don't think. His campaign has been so lavish that it has sucked up talent and resources from down-ballot races, causing worries that Democratic candidates will be damaged. Uh, it's hard for cash-strapped state parties or young field organizers to turn down the sums of money Bloomberg is dangling. And it's also hard for a lot of organizations who have benefited from his largesse and his wealth to turn around and then oppose him. And they go on to talk about his social media campaign, a ca unprecedented, the scale of it, dominating the, t the attention of those people who are not like us in that they don't watch day by day, live, breathe, uh, feel that they have to stay on top of what is happening. No, the social media onslaught that Bloomberg has unleashed is dominating the attention of less engaged voters. So if, if Trump broke the rules for how candidates use free media, <laughs> you know, getting CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, everybody, Fox, to just like drool, you know, they covered beginning to end his speeches, his rallies, when they didn't do that for Hillary Clinton. So Trump didn't have to spend money. But Bloomberg doesn't need free media. And so he's overpowering everybody else, much like Trump did with free media. In this way, this author says, Bloomberg is poised to repeat the second element of Trump's success, brushing off a history of positions that are toxic to Democrats. Trump overcame a history of donating to Democrats, supporting abortion, just like that, just a 180. 
And Bloomberg is similarly doing that. He has he's given about eighteen million dollars in the last eight years to Republican candidates, including Senator Toomey right here in Pennsylvania. And in a period where Democrats have shown greater concern for inequality and labor rights, he has not been a friend to labor unions. He regularly opposed minimum wage increases. Now, all of these things he's changing now, you understand. Like Trump, he's doing a about-face. The stop and frisk. I'm so sorry, I was not right. He's going to disown all of that. Um, even sexual harassment. Bloomberg's uh, company has been the subject of nearly uh, 40 lawsuits from 64 women. Now understand, I didn't say Bloomberg himself. I'm saying it's a company. Now, it's also a company that employs something like 18,000 people, okay? And there's a lot of women who allege that it's a real boys' club. How shocking. <laughs> of course it's a boys' club. A financial news company? Are you kidding? So... I don't know. I don't know. Uh, he ends thusly. Oh, this guy is a Lutheran pastor. The guy who wrote this. Benjamin Duholm. Um, I'll give you his last uh, salvo here. In 2016... Some conservatives warned that nominating and electing Trump would validate liberal claims that Republicans don't really care about all the things they cared about, <laughs> but really are primarily motivated by racial and gender resentments. A Bloomberg nomination would be evidence, perhaps, of a similar critique of the Democrats that for all the stated concern by Democrats for racial and gender justice, the perils of inequality, the dangers of money in politics, it's really, <laughs> the Democrats really are just a vehicle for advancing the economic interests of upper middle class white liberals. Bloomberg was able to use his wealth and policy choices to dominate a heavily democratic city for over a decade. And now we'll find out if a national electorate will accept the same deal. I think that's a, it's an interesting piece. And I uh, hope you didn't mind me uh, sharing it uh, with you. Um, let me catch up with your emails here. What? Trump called. I don't. I don't understand this. Oh, you're you're saying Trump is an anarchist. No one ever uses that term, but he is just that. As a stepping stone to dictator, he's one sick, blow it all up moron. Well, yes, that he is. 
He's also, we learned yesterday, the chief law enforcement officer in the land. Um, Milton has posited, I said this yesterday, I wondered, if Bernie in 2020 is equivalent of McGovern in 72. I think the potential is there. But, I mean, it wouldn't be that. It wouldn't be as much of a drubbing because you have to figure Bernie would take, you know, California, so he'd get a ton of electoral votes there, and he would take, I guess, New York. I don't know if he'd take Pennsylvania or Wisconsin or Michigan. I don't know. So I've avoided the last few debates, but uh, this one tonight, yeah, gotta watch. Uh, gotta watch. The New York Times editorial says this, you've seen the ads, now see the candidate. And saying, if you've tuned out of these debates, uh, you want to tune this one in. <laughs> because this is going to be interesting. It's the first time Bloomberg will face any of these other contenders in real time. Um, not hiding behind his, his money and these sleek ads. You know, Bloomberg hasn't done any of the kind of, you know, going to diners much, you know. He hasn't been meeting the people like normal candidates, having to eat all that awful food and stuff. Um, he hasn't done town halls. He hasn't even done sit-down interviews with, like, the New York Times and, and um, other uh, media sources. He's just hiding behind all this slick operation fueled by his money. And he's focused on March 3rd, which is Super Tuesday, where a number of primaries occur. And that's where his spending has been focused, on those states. You know, when he was mayor of New York, he... Correct me if I'm wrong, did he not manage to get rid of term limits for the mayor and served longer than any mayor? Will somebody tell me if I'm remembering that right? That's Trumpian. Did, didn't he serve? I don't know, I think the mayor's, uh, it's a four-year term, but I think he was in for ten. How's that possible? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I just did it in my head somewhere. Um, he, um, he also, when he did debates as, may, as a candidate for mayor or as the incumbent, he was only debating a few other people. And he's not a great debater. And he's not a great uh, speaker. Um... He, like Trump, is a man who is used to being obeyed. And so he doesn't take criticism very well. 
I don't know. I think this is going to be interesting. That's all I want to say. He's going to be interesting. Uh, Oh, he did. Bloomberg did. He changed the law so a mayor could serve three terms. He must have been mayor for 12 years. Okay. Well, that bespeaks a, a rather huge ego and a love of power. Um, but, and you know, you're going to get that with any of these guy, uh, guys. Um, I don't know. The other thing I want to note, just because it's so mind-blowing to me, is that the fact that this l- most recent poll shows uh, Bernie Sanders in the lead, and the second place is Michael Bloomberg. I gotta tell you, those are two Jews. And let me tell you, that is mind blowing to a Jew. A Jew has never been nominated for the presidency by either party. And only one Jew has been on a ticket, and it was a losing ticket. That was Lieberman. I, Lieberman never was, you know, I'm completely mixed up now about who he was. Yeah. Um, Wait a minute. Was Lieberman ever the vice president? (laughs) Do you believe that? I actually cannot. Oh, God, I hate that when your brain just goes down. I hate that. This is what happens when you're old. Of course, it happens with a lot of young people, too, who don't even know the stuff in the first place so that they can forget it. But I I, I increasingly find that frightening. That's why my brother wrote that book, Losing It, because he was so freaked. Um, yeah, he, oh, he was on the ticket with Gore. That's right. I couldn't think of who, who the hell was he on the ticket with. Yeah, he never was vice president. So the idea that, like, I, I don't know. And let me tell you, in an era of growing anti-Semitism, you got to wonder if that's a smart idea. I was talking yesterday about all these polls that ask Americans, would you vote for... A black person? Would you vote for a woman for president? Would you vote for a homosexual? Would you vote for a Muslim? Would you vote for a Jew? I think there'd be a lot of people who'd say, are you kidding me? No. So... We should find a black Jewish woman. Huh? Oh, black Jewish gay, thank you, woman. I know they're out there. We could just cover all of it in one swell foop. What else I got? Um, did you watch that front line last night about Amazon? 
makes your blood run cold. At least it makes my blood run cold. Anyway. And, of course, Trump's <laughs> pardons. I don't know why we're getting so freaked out about uh, Stone sentence and, and that. He's going to get pardoned. He's going to pardon. There is no doubt that he's going to pardon Stone. He's going to pardon Flynn. He's going to pardon anybody on his side. Um, and <laughs> the pardons yesterday and commutations are just, they're so funny. I heard someone opine, and I think they got it absolutely right, that in those four, uh, you know, Blagojevich, Blagoj DeBartolo, uh, Bernie Carrick and Michael Milken, those are four guys, four white guys, whose crimes Donald Trump would see as business as usual. You mean they went to jail for that? That's what I do every day. He can no more understand why Blagojevich, who tried to make money off of, you know, his power to appoint someone to a Senate seat. Oh, you're here? Do you have anything to say? <laughs> Apparently not. Do you have clean teeth now? Yeah, clean teeth. Your teeth are very clean. Yeah. All right, can we get him on? We'll have to put... Come on, Ryan. Okay. Come on in here. Anyway... But these are all, all their crimes are things that Trump would do without even blinking. Uh, DeBartolo, uh, and of course, he was canoodling with another crooked politician, um, uh, Edwin Edwards, uh, who did time, <laughs> too, governor of... So, Hello. You know, hi. <laughs> this is the first time in, wait, how many years has it been? I have it here somewhere. It is the first time that there has been no governor of Illinois in jail <laughs> since 2007. <laughs> Isn't that wow, amazing? Wow, make America great again, am I yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> seriously, because they let Blagojevich out uh, last night, I guess. Yeah. They, yeah. they opened the doors. He's and got let gray him. hair now. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, all that, that hair is now gray. Yeah, it's still thick, though. Yeah, he's got, he's got a, got a nice mop. Really you, know? A, yeah. you know, but, you know, Michael Milken, come on, junk bonds. I mean, the Bartolo, he was just trying to get a, you know, for a casino. The uh, former owner know. of the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, uh, my yeah. favorite football team. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, we sort of liked him here. He was always covered uh, a lot here. Yeah. in Pittsburgh because he's from Youngstown next door yeah um, and then Bernie Carrick who has to be like the most vile human being he Bernie Carrick was Giuliani's chauffeur <laughs> and Giuliani made him the police commissioner <laughs> it's just so funny when Carrick, you think about the swamp and all this other I know, stuff I know. it's just like and then Carrick was it's what? not about the swamp it's about their swamp it's, it's about their swamp. their swamp versus our swamp or whatever you know and there um, Carrick's, uh, wasn't he taken down too? Wasn't he like stealing funds meant for 9-11 uh, responders to uh, have a a little love nest pad <laughs> near with, with his mistress? Uh, something I, like I, I mean, 
You can't. It's a pretty easy grift, I gotta say. Like, no. just say that you're raising money for 9/11, yeah. and then you can get yeah. anybody to give you money. You can't make that up. Yeah. You cannot. Um, I heard uh, on your on uh, on yesterday's show you were talking about the Cass endorsement and the the, the all the uh, weird Allegheny County. Uh, you know, so <laughs> they should be. Well, my sister said something that's indisputable. Okay. Okay. If this, these people who run the Democratic Party, these, what are they called? Committee people. Yeah, committee chairs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah committee members. If that's nothing more than a, essentially right-wing, uh, right. right-wing old boys club, right. um, then what you do is this is where young people, have got to run for get they those get seats. They've got to go in totally. and take it. Right, and that's what like Bethany well, Halam is, it, yeah, is like, is like trying to do. Yeah, but are doing it? That's well, they got to get do. on the ballot. Um, this is you, what it, I mean. It's really kind of stupid because it's there's a lot of barriers for entry to get into the Allegheny County Democratic Committee. One, you have to like get on a ballot. You have to run against these people that already have. The, uh, all the power, all the power. And, and so, so they can only just go they their... vote and so you can't get even, in if cause you're even because you're actually on the ballot like you're on the official ballot like if you're going to go vote for president this 2020 or, well i guess it'd be primary so yeah i mean if, if, if you're going to go vote for the president in 2020 you're also going to vote for for council people i mean no for no co- for commissioners for, for for committee people for committee people yeah right i voted for committee people i yes. know who the hell are they exactly and so when no okay. one knows who they are it's really hard for a younger person yeah. to come in and be like oh vote for me because you have to campaign a lot because everyone else a lot of people who are going to go vote and even if turnout's high they're not going to go vote because they don't know who those people are so they might not even vote for you so it's it, it shrinks the turnout and it's really more about who you know and guess who these people and then all these people are like they're all ingrained in this county system, um, you know, this, uh, you know, um, county party system. Well, they and are also about just holding their power. Exactly. And they just want to hold their power. And it was so but relevant with those you, endorsements. How could a group of Democrats, <laughs> who is this woman, this Cass? She's, she's a, she's a. Has a, she ever a, held elective office? No, she's, um, she's a, uh, she is in the same circle as Harry Reidshaw. But what does she do? She, I, mean, I think she was a committee person. I don't know if she still is, but she was a committee okay. person for a while. And really. How is she a Democrat? Well, but that's true that's of a, a lot so, of these people. So I just wrote a story yesterday that, that like, there's a lot more. I found. I found. I mean, she's I found, pro-Trump. For those of you who didn't, right, see, she's yes. pro-Trump. Pro-Trump. She she's, denigrates people with uh, addictions, trans she people. She insulted Obamacare, uh, she, the signature Democratic achievement of the last decade. Literally, is the signature because for all of its flaws, it got a lot more. Got millions of people health coverage. You know, millions. And we're talking about poor people too. Yeah. Like, well, but know. she doesn't like poor people. Exactly. And she, she thinks was they're lazy. Poor people. Yeah. And and, and so um, she's a really she's got a big heart. Right. <laughs> she's and a so fine human. The story being. like totally blew up, and then I did a little more digging afterwards, and I found that the chair of the twenty fourth ward in Pittsburgh, he lives in Troy Hill. He's an open Trump supporter. It's on his Facebook page. Wait, 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 wait. wait. The, the, chair? The, the chair of the twenty fourth ward of the Democratic Committee. Which is where? In the north side, in Troy Hill. Um, okay. Or it's, and it's, who is this? Uh, his name is Jeffrey Anison. 
And the so, chair of the Democratic, wait a minute, <laughs> is an open supporter of... On his Facebook page, he has him in a Trump hat, given like, like raise the roof or something, with, um, with uh, the caption, Trump, Trump, tra Trump train, geez, that's a tongue twister, uh, 2020. And there, uh, there's another committee member. Can't the in party expel? Yes, people? they can be expelled, but they have to go through a, a a a complaint process. And he's been flagged, like starting yesterday, a little bit before my story came out. Actually, um, he's been flagged, so he'll go, he'll he'll probably go through the process. And I would assume he would be kicked out because it's so obvious. <laughs> oh, but so think of all the others who actually are Trump supporters, right. who at least. Oh, first of all, they might not have social media, Facebook pages, Facebook exactly. pages. Yeah. but they, I'm telling you, when I first moved here, I was so stunned by what passed by the Democrats, because I said, where I come from, these guys would all be Republicans. Right, and it's so crazy, because I think about this even on a macro level of the whole area. Because well, that's true. Because there's, there's this feeling that Democrats always have to... Um, play Republican, basically. They have to worry about the Republicans. We have to worry about how the Republicans are going to vote. We have to worry about those independents and conservatives. Like, no, this feels like it's more of an indoctrination that's been within this Allegheny County Democratic Party for decades that they're just conservative Republicans. And they the just Democrats are in the party and are, they have their club. They are Democrats for one reason and one reason only. Because they support labor unions, because that right. is but even where some Republicans are starting to do that, though. So it's like weird. It's like just get out of the party and let the Democrats control the actual party structure of the county, you know. And Bethany Halam is trying. Is she's got the signatures, so hopefully they'll have um, a mandatory meeting where they have to vote on stuff and they can make some big decisions. But it's been hard. They haven't had a party convention since like 2008. When Jim Byrne was the um, um, head of the uh, you know county state party, party. Oh, co county party. county and state actually, yeah. and and um, and they tried then, well, and he wasn't able to get it through either. And you know he's been advocating for these things too. So he's, but um, it's that's what's like this story is just emblematic of like eventually the party is just going to wither and die, and it's not going to be a thing in Allegheny County. I'm not saying nationally. It's definitely going to be a thing nationally. But Well, like, you know, and also, you know, pundits nationally will say that Pennsylvania, the voter, the re Democrats so overwhelmingly uh, have more registered voters. Yeah. And I'm thinking, Means that's nothing. just crap. Means nothing. I mean, because they vote Republican. Right. And there was that, you know, it's that same idea. I, I read this really interesting thing, and I thought about that in terms of there's this, there's a, there's always all these stories about how um, a lot of Bernie like voters didn't back Hillary in uh, you know 2020, and yes. I think, and I think there are, but a, oh, a, lot, yeah. a lot of those people were just dinos basically that hated Hillary, and they voted well, to like as a protest vote, and they were never going to vote for Hillary in the general. But, I have to tell you, you know, I bumped into a guy. When I was at an ACLU meeting in Allentown, mm -hmm. young guy. Allentown here, or Allentown on the other side. Allentown, um, in the east. In the east, okay, not the neighborhood, Allentown. No, not the neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, the ACLU had a sometimes the yeah. state uh, board Got would it. have yeah. have its meetings in different places. Yeah, yeah. So in Allentown, this young guy from Allentown mm -hmm. was a Bernie bro. And he, I couldn't believe he, he told me this, that he admitted to it. Yeah. 
he not only wouldn't consider voting for Hillary, right. he voted for Trump. Wow. And there yeah. he is at the yeah. ACLU. He was, right. He's an ACLU. I right. said, I almost killed him. Yeah. I almost physically attacked him. I said, how stupid! <laughs> right, but I'm saying is that there's also a bare amount. I'm not, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not trying to discount that, but I'm saying is that the larger number is likely people who, like Heather Cass, who would never vote for Hillary, and so they're registered Democrats, so they have to vote for Democrats in the primary. Who are they going to vote for, right? Oh, that's right. They pull it. Well, I don't know. That's I what mean, I'm... No, that's definitely a part of it, though, because why did West Virginia... It happened in West Virginia, too, right? Like, Bernie won West Virginia in the primary, right? But West Virginia hates Hillary, right? And then Trump won West Virginia <laughs> going away, like not even close, right? The most highest percentage of any state, I think, outside of Wyoming. Well, but, you know, I, and, I, I never and, hear and anybody... And so there's that... There's, I, you know what I'm I saying? I understand. Yes, but I never hear anybody talk about this when you have an open primary. Because mm -hmm. I... Wisconsin, where I grew up, had an open primary. Okay. And I got to tell you, um, if there's nothing interesting, like open primary, New Hampshire, this time mm -hmm. around... Well, there's nothing interesting happening in uh, the Republicans on the Republican right. side. Yeah. You know, we know well, that's going to be Trump. Yeah. So if you were a Republican in New Hampshire and you went to the polls, you can pick up the Democratic ballot. Now, do you really think those Republicans are going to say, hmm, now who would? No, they're going to make no. mischief. Excuse me. Yeah, they're sure. going to sure. make mischief. Sure. Which is frankly why I'm not. In favor of, of open, open primary. I don't really think I don't really want I open primaries mischief. either. I, I made mischief any chance I could. Right. I did. Why? Well, of course you would. Right. Saddle the party you don't want right. with uh, somebody you think you can't win. Right. So I think I, I just want to say that I think a lot of Bernie votes mm -hmm. in New Hampshire yeah. are Republican votes. It's possible. It's possible, and you know. I, 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 obviously, I can't prove. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's not possible, but I just think. I just think it's just this this story about the Allegheny County Democratic Party. People need to think about it like like a little broader too. It's not just that it's this weird old club. I think it is emblematic of what's holding us back. You see Fitzgerald whipping votes for uh, Chris Rowland, telling everybody that he won't ever vote for a socialist, talking about Summer Lee, you know, and he's using the same scare tactics that Republicans use. Why would you do that? Why would you harm your own party? Right? Why would you join the Republicans in their tactics over a word? You know, like regardless if you don't believe it in or not. But let's be honest. Like Summerlee is not like a a dictator socialist they're, that a communist or anything like that. They're going after her. They are. And yeah. It's, and it's a joke. And they're going to go after. And she's going to win. And she's going to win again. You think? Yes. And and she and she won that sixty nine percent of the vote against a twenty year incumbent. Like. Uh, there's just it, it's just not she's probably not going to get that same share because no, it's not, not 2018 you know yeah and but man they but just just the fact that they're doing that and Fitzgerald he just seems so nervous he just seems like oh no my power grip is losing it's like dude how about advocate for things that people want that's what the Democrats should be about I don't understand why they don't advocate for the things they want I had this tweet the other day because I noticed this all the time and I think, you know, Bob Casey is a really smart politician and he'll probably serve his seat forever. But um, he is a lot of times he's advocating for rural development, rural things that help rural voters. And that's, wait, wait. that's rural. Rural. Yeah. Sorry, I can't pronounce that word. Um, 
Rural. Rural. Right? Rural. 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 Anyway, so he's advocating for these things. It's so smart. And I'm just thinking, like, man, I, I think there are a lot of voters that live, like, in the city of Pittsburgh or in Allegheny County, not a rural area, right? It's a suburban area. And they're like, man, I'm so glad that Bob Casey is advocating for the voters that don't vote for him. <laughs> you know? It's crazy, though. Like, why don't, we have, why don't we have politicians that advocate for the things that we desire? That's the thing about Democrats. I don't understand Right? Is that is that is that not weird though? Like that like we're like, oh no, help the other people. <laughs> it's like don't you wanna don't you wanna don't you wanna speak up for the things that you're passionate about? Don't you want your politician to, to back the things that, that, that will but really a help sena- you? A senator represents totally a state. Yeah. All the How people. often does Pat Toomey advocate for things that well, urban residents know, listen, want? Yeah, yeah, right. Well, this is the imbalance that I'm talking yeah, about though. It's well, just it's a it's a rhetorical thing. It's just interesting to me, you know? Well, we're out of time. That was a quick one because I came in late because my stupid teeth. Well, they're clean. Yeah, they're clean. Don't you, you keep like rubbing your tongue around them? No. No? No. Oh, it feels so good. <laughs> they're so smooth and white and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Mine aren't okay. white, though. <laughs> yes, they are. They look very white oh, right you. now. <laughs> so, uh, uh, thank you, Ryan. Okay. And uh, thank you, guys. And uh, I'll be back tomorrow because I got nowhere else to go. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.